Welcome once again to another episode of the Random Access Podcast, brought to you by RAPodcast.net. This is episode 418, recorded live on Sunday, June 28th, 2015, and here are your hosts, the man again covering for Andy Lowe, Brian Lindsley. Hello, hello. The woman joining us for the first time, Beth Lindsley. Hi. And the man who's still here, Dave Pillay. Hello. Hi, guys. Hey. Hi, Hi. Beth. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Spending time with us, getting to see how the other side lives, sort of. How the sausage is made? The so- what? what? Is was that that's supposed to be an innuendo? No. Because it kind of was an innuendo. Oh my god. <laughs> Thank you for reading it that way too. <laughs> Not is, even a minute in. Is that what you guys have been doing when you've been working on the podcast, Brian? Have I been any... Well, I mean, we already have an explicit tag, but okay. How the sausage is made. But that is really, truly a, a, a phrase, right? Like, that's something that people say. Time to make the yeah, donut. It, it's the idea of, of there's two things in the world you don't want to see made. It's laws and sausages. There we go. So I'm sorry, Brian. That's on Dave and me, not on you. Uh huh. Sure. I mean, it was still funny. Oh yeah, that was one of those. I'm sorry that you are feeling embarrassed because he's turning bright pink. But <laughs> I'm very amused. Worth pointing out that Beth and Bry are recording from the same location as opposed to me, where I am in Wisconsin. You sound so sad, but we know you're not. I mean, I like Wisconsin. I would love to be in Michigan. Going to be coming to Michigan a couple times in the next month and a half, two months. I know. We're looking forward to it. Right. It's going to be awesome. Yep. Next week is the 4th. You guys have any fun plans for it? Not really. Nothing definitive. Um, Friday, uh, I am thinking of going to the fireworks in Manchester with Jess and Zach. Um, And then the actual day of July 4th, I'm kind of hoping Brian and I can go do some canoeing or kayaking or something. But we haven't definitively settled. But I know you had some interesting plans. I did indeed. I'm going to be uh, participating in a Pathfinder competition where some friends of mine who are, are GMs are going to be running parallel campaigns and seeing which group can get further. And so the week leading up to that, I'm actually going to be designing my characters for the campaign. So my only question is, what happens if nobody dies? If no one dies, there's actually a scoring system that they have come up with that will probably include things like how well this was handled, how much of it was skipped, how many hit points uh, damage did people take. So even if both groups reach the end, whatever the end is, uh, there will still be a winner. But Laura and I are going to be spending the next week ho- like getting ready to host because the whole thing will be happening at my house and it will begin Saturday morning and continue on to Sunday. That's a lot of Pathfinder. That is so much Pathfinder. Yeah, I'm cringing at the thought. I hope you guys are determined to take breaks to, you know, go for a walk or something. I mean, food will be breaks. There will also be copious amounts of alcohol. <laughs> okay. There's even... Uh, supposed to be, and I haven't seen what the rules are yet, but there are rules, and if you break the rule, you will have to drink. So there's going to be quite drunkenness. Laura and I are planning on getting some garbage bins and bags and leaving them around the house for people for emergency puking. Sounds great. Yeah. Not too pleased about that last part. But well, the whole I, thing sounds pretty fun. Yeah. I commend you for your forward thinkingness and planning ahead so as to save your carpet and whatnot. Um, yep. I'm hoping that it's an enjoyable day and night of revelry without folks indulging more than they want. Correct. And there will be two dogs because our friends are bringing their dog over. So that'll be fun, too. Aw. Puppies. Yeah, puppies. Bro, you know you want a puppy. I'm okay. 
Bri's got two kitties. Well, Bri's got a kitty and you've got another kitty. They're interchangeable, I'd say. That's very true. Numa is more than willing to cuddle up to Bri in my absence, or sometimes even if I'm here. Traitor. Well, like, we had really bad weather coming through, the uh, tornado siren thing, and Numa was all about the big bear daddy. Hang on, you're going to have to... Uh, I, I loaded a couple tabs that have the videos that autoplayed, so I missed a little <laughs> bit of what okay. you said there. Oh, I just said that, especially when the weather is bad, uh, Numa seems to prefer Brian's company. I think it's ah. the... He's big, hairy... Not hairy, big, scary <laughs> daddy figure. <laughs> I might regret having her on. Yeah, you sure this is a good idea? I'm sorry. I mean, to, from my perspective, it's a great idea. This is this is fantastic. I'll try to keep it keep it limited. I'm sure the audience doesn't necessarily need to hear us squabbling or maybe poking. Oh, I think it's just going to. I, I think they're going to love it. I don't think that's going to be a problem. Certainly not going to lose us listeners. Well, that's that's the most important thing. Okay. So we've got a fair number of things to talk about. Do you guys have any piece that's sticking out that's that's saying, hey, do me first? That was an innuendo, wasn't it? Nope. Um, the only thing that comes to mind is maybe we might want to hit the national things first, the big news. The, the big national news from the last week? Yeah. The ones that everyone's already heard about? Yeah, just to get it All away. Right. Uh, some, some landmark Supreme Court cases this week. Two of them, in fact. The Supreme Court of the United States, otherwise known as SCOTUS, has chosen to uphold the, uh, the ACA, the Affordable Care Act, in the, the repeated attempts to get it repealed and get it taken down or defund it or remove it. It still survives to this day. That said, I think that's the minor of the two. Like, yes, that's great for healthcare and all, but the big one was definitely the, the announcement that happened on Friday, which was gay marriage is now legal in all 50 states. I think they're both important rulings. I believe that for the Affordable Care Act, it is definitely a step in the right direction. I don't think it's perfect, um, but I'm hoping that having the SCOTUS ruling basically saying, guys, you can't get rid of it, deal with it will provide opportunity for it to be improved as we go forward. Um, as for the, the um, oh, black, thanks. As for gay marriage, I, there's nothing I can say except for, oh, thank goodness. It's kind of amazing being part of a historical moment like that. Do you think it's the, the end of the talk, though? Do you think it's the end of the discussion? Oh, no. But I imagine that what we're encountering right now might be similar to what happened with segregation. It didn't stop racism, obviously. Um, and there were plenty of people saying this is wrong, the, the court doesn't have the right to do this, and yet it was an obvious step forward. More obvious to some than to others, it seems. That is very true. It was really wonderful, though, seeing um, Facebook for, even still today, I'm still seeing posts about it, but especially Friday, there was like nonstop celebrating on Facebook. I think there might have been one dissenter on my friends list, and it was like, ah, oh, well... You're allowed yeah. to have your opinion. I mean, there is some selection bias there in that the people you are friends with share your views. Yes, but this is a lot of family, too, in her defense. Um, but I do have to say that Facebook also already filters things, so it's a little hard to get the whole picture from it. That is very true. And, you know, with my history of the staunch traditional Catholic high school and whatnot, I do actually have a mix of people who... I do agree with, and then people who I don't. I would really love to see 
if, if such things are um, findable, what kind of responses were on Facebook on Friday? You know, were the majority of posts, I have to imagine the majority of the posts were positive and absolutely going crazy. And then some, there were certainly voices that were dissenting. Hopefully not too many, that it was more of a minority. Right. So cool. Good job for the Supreme Court. Right. Laura just walked in and showed me an article that my my dear governor, uh, Scott Walker, has challenged the Supreme Court justices to a fist fight. What? I don't know whether or not that's uh, it's from the National Report. I don't know if it's a legitimate site or if this is like an onion ripoff. Gotcha. The problem is with a, a headline like that, I actually still can't tell. Well, the, our governor said that he would, and in most uh, formal stiff language ever, would comply with the SCOTUS ruling. So yeah, well, thanks to, he doesn't have much of a choice on that. <laughs> right. Like, they, they kind of have to legally comply with that. I feel that it was one of those statements made by a politician that says more from what they're not saying. Because, yes, good job, dude. You're going to do what's legal. You don't get I a pat on the head I will comply with the Supreme Court ruling. Right. As opposed to seceding from the union? Which is unconstitutional either way. Right. Like, you, you, well, but the point is, if you're seceding, constitutionality doesn't stop you. If you know that the governor is planning to secede from the union, are you able to commit a house arrest then and do whatever you can to stop him? Um, I, I don't know. Interesting. I think that falls under, like, acts of treason, in which case you could potentially make a citizen's arrest. I, the thing is, I don't know if the local government and the local law enforcement can do anything about treason. Isn't that a military issue? Weren't they going to... Oh, I guess Snowden might not be a great example because he was a contractor. Never mind. He was also treasonous by, like, revealing state secrets. Treason is treason, according to the government. I suppose. Well, well, except for when you're a general and you're sharing information with your mistress. But sure, let's let's point at all the other people. Oh, yeah, Petraeus. That was a thing, wasn't it? Yep. Didn't really go anywhere. This is not a line of conversation I would have expected we would have gone today. So, all right, let's move on to uh, Bryce Wright. We've got a number of other topics. Uh, for what it's worth, we do have a link for the, uh, the gay marriage ruling. We didn't really put in much into that, the, the list, but there is one where it's Stephen Colbert talking about it, and it's probably the best entrance into the discussion, because Stephen Colbert is Stephen Colbert and amazing. You guys excited for his new show? Oh my goodness. Yes, I'm very excited to see him without the uh, persona. The actual comedian as opposed to the character? Right. I've heard him on NPR every so often when he breaks character, and it's just, it is incredible listening to that man. I think he's incredibly smart, and I'm looking forward to what he'll, what he'll be bringing up. I think he's also incredibly silly, so I'm kind of resigned that there's going to be silly stuff, too. Well, yes, he's a comedian. True. Um, I think I, in comparison with Jon Stewart and then what's his face, Trevor, that's going to be taking Jon's place, uh, they definitely have a strong social justice component to what they bring up consistently. And Stephen will certainly mention it. I don't know if I've observed it being as strong in him, but I apologize. I digress. Let us move on. Other government news. Uh, Net neutrality is a thing. The FCC made their ruling. The uh, courts upheld it and said, no, we aren't going to put a stay on it. Congress is still trying to get some defunding going. 
Uh, but the first couple complaints, we talked about last week that Verizon got slammed with a fine for it, and now Time Warner Cable is getting complaints registered against them. And if you read the informal complaint that was submitted, oh my goodness, it includes the email chain between, um, oh, Blast Barry, I forget his last name, but the person who made the complaint and Time Warner Company, it is amazing. It starts off very um, professional. And then as he starts telling them, guys, I'm going to be filing this complaint, he actually says things like, are you sure you want to roll the dice? Don't discount the underdog, etc. The The plaintiff was saying this? Yep, in his email chain, which he included in the complaint as evidence. So this was a, uh, a gentleman who owns a small internet provider who wanted to do something called peer exchange with Time Warner, which even before net neutrality, was supposed to be completely open and that people couldn't charge other people for doing this. It's actually kind of how the internet works. And Time Warner said, no, you have to pay us if you want to do this. It's- and so this... Go ahead. Oh, no, please, please finish the summary. Oh, no. So so this this fine gentleman said, hey, especially now with the latest FCC ruling, you really can't do this. Uh, open up. I'm curious. And they, they still said no. And he said, I'm going to go to the FCC. And the emails really are actually very funny to read. I'm curious because I'm not familiar with the um, net neutrality process as a whole. Um, But what Time Warner Company is saying in their whole guidelines for when they will provide um, peering without fees associated is they have a whole list of requirements that even if somebody were to meet all the requirements, they still might not get that pre-peering. And so I'm curious if peering means something different than the no paid prioritization that the gentleman cites in his complaint. Does it does the net neutrality piece allow that if the like if Time Warner Cable if it's more expensive for them they are allowed to charge him? I'm pretty um, sure it doesn't because the entire thing of being an ISP is that you're charging people to connect, so they should already have that money. Right. He does reference that they're already getting paid by their subscribers or their customers. Right. Okay. And that that was one of the key arguments of net neutrality is that companies are double dipping. There we go. Thank you. They are charging the people for access to the sites and they're charging the sites to have access to people. And it's really got to be one or the other. I don't know what the difference is for an informal complaint versus a formal complaint. Do you guys? I do not. I'd imagine that an informal complaint is like a blog post, but a formal complaint might have some legal uh, power behind it, like a lawsuit or something. I'm not sure, though. I think the informal complaint is just letting the FCC know what's going on. The formal complaint would be a a injunction or a lawsuit. Or the informal complaint is just not using a form. Could also be it. I ended up doing a net search and Ars Technica has a, they've got it broken down. Informal complaints looks like you do submit a form. Um, it doesn't have a specific section to express concerns. Um, but at least as of the time of the Ars Technica writing, it looks like this is kind of old. The formal complaints, um, it actually looks like it's more like a court hearing. So I see why he started with the informal. And it will move to formal if it needs to. I actually expect Time Warner to cave on this one. I don't know. In the email chain, they had the VP and he. it looked like he, he his title also included general counsel. 
replying back that it was going to be a paid hearing or nothing. And the, and Or a long, drawn-out legal battle. Right. They've got the money to sustain one. Yeah, that is but I have concern. a feeling that there'd be enough lawyers willing to take up this guy. Just so, I mean, there's the EFF. To win a court case based on net neutrality would set precedent. Yes, it would. So it'll be interesting to follow this in the future. In other news about technology, uh, Microsoft has basically changed their mind on their Windows 7 free for everyone. I felt so bad for them. I really did. Like, just the oops of, wait, what? We said what? Oops. Uh, No, that's not what we said. Wait, no, that is what we said. No, that's not what we said. This is not the first time this sort of thing has happened to Microsoft either. No. And uh, background for people who might not be uh, up to date on this is... Windows 10 is coming out, I want to say in July, and they at first said that they were going to give a free version to everybody who owns Windows, and then they said, um, I believe in that announcement, uh, upgrades were included. So, I'm sorry, people who were previewing Windows 10, which you can download off the net and install on your computer for free, um, were going to get a free upgrade to the official version as well. And it looks like they are uh, going back on that part in particular. So this is actually, it it stems from even further back, though, because Microsoft had said anyone with an activated copy of Windows 7 or Windows 8 will get a free upgrade to Windows 10. And so the question was, well, what about people who have an activated, in quotes, copy of Windows 7? Which is to say, pirates. And for a little while, it looked like pirates were going to get, as long as it was a a copy of Windows 7 or 8 that looked like it was legit, they'd get a free upgrade to Windows 10. And it would be legit. Windows 10 would be a legitimate upgrade. And then Microsoft said, nope. And then Microsoft said, but if you have the Windows 10 tech preview, you'll be able to upgrade. And then they said, nope, wait, we didn't mean upgrade. We meant you'll be able to continue the Windows 10 tech preview. Ooh, continuing the preview. I get to stay in the beta. Woo! I did see something else, though, that was if you're running Vista or XP and the Windows 10 tech preview, that machine would get a free full upgrade to Windows 10. It's such a complicated mess now. But that, like, if it's XP, there was no Windows server authentication for XP, I could just go and pirate XP and I'd get a free version of Windows 10? Is that accurate? I, I'm not sure. That's or a lot could, of work to just to get Yeah, Windows or I could 10. just pay the money for Windows 10. And really, if you had XP, why not just stick with XP? Because nothing supports XP anymore? Well, it depends on what you use the computer for, I guess. A Terraria server. I wonder if Steam still runs on XP. I'm pretty sure it does. Speaking of Steam... Uh, Speaking of Steam... Yeah. You linked us to a an engine or a, a website that allows you to analyze all of Steam's data. Yeah. So someone posted an article onto Kotaku about the Vatican's favorite Steam game as just kind of a curious thing. But digging into where that data came from was actually really cool because this guy, known as Steam Spy, wrote a site that scrapes Steam's data... And is searchable. And so you can search by genre. So I can look at adventure games as defined by Steam's categories. And I can see there's 1,636 games in this genre with an average user score of 82%. Not bad. Uh, And you can sort by playtime. You can sort by how many people purchased it, by the user score. 
So like Grand Theft Auto 5 is the highest median playtime of all the games in this category. Surprisingly, the third place is Terraria. Oh, Terraria. Oh, it's average and median. Ooh. Terraria is also the third most owned with 6.1 million people. Really? Oh, okay. I'm looking at the top games, not the, the Steam stats. Yeah, I'm looking at the stats and I'm looking on adventure genre. And so it's kind of fun to just poke around and say like, oh, I wonder what the most... Uh, let's see, Russian language game, Dota 2, of Dota 2 is the top of everything. Dota 2 is, I mean, they have 52 million people with Dota 2. I love that they have the margin of error in there, and that margin is, uh, 151,000. I wonder where that's coming from. Like, how is he determining the margin of error? I, I don't know. I wonder if that's a flat percentage. Wow, there's some really expensive things out there. Let's see, what is the most expensive game in the U.S.? Aw, oh, it doesn't have cost. What? Lame. Anyway, there's some pretty cool stuff in there. It's fun to poke around. So, um, one of the things that I thought was an interesting application of the Steam Spy service was somebody looked up uh, the Vatican's gaming's habits, and the number one selection of that is Natural Selection 2. I love this. This makes me smile. Just the irony of it? Well, they did just say that they were totally right. cool with Evolution. Cool. They've also been playing Fallout New Vegas. To be honest, when I look at the list, the one that stands out the most to me is Hyperdimension Neptunia Rebirth. And it's basically a game where it's a Japanese RPG that you play as the different consoles, anamorphosized as... Anthropomorphized. Yes, that word. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Honey Pop is is also on that list. And that's also kind of an interesting choice for the Holy See. I'm wondering about the the legitimacy of this list and what it means to be in this country. Is this people who have logged in? That's what I'd imagine. I mean, the Holy See is a is a city, so it's probably location based, and it could be anybody inside that city. It's obviously not. It's also the a country. Vatican. Same difference. Technically, the Holy See is neither. Vatican City is the country. Holy See is the corporation that is the country. I was curious what the who these players might be if it was truly. Um, you know, like, I can't imagine that the Cardinals are going back to their offices and getting on the screen. Left for Dead too, Right. But there's, I mean, does anyone actually live in Vatican City? Is there housing there? Yes, there is a population that lives there. Uh, CGP Grey does a pretty good indication on... Uh, on at least how to become a pope, if not the Vatican City itself. Right. He he actually has a video on Vatican City. Yeah, and I believe there are people who actually live there. There are citizens. There are citizens, but I don't know if those citizens live there. I've watched that video many times, believe me. But anyway, I mean, there's there's computer networks there. They have a top-level domain, so who knows? It's a bunch of people in the, the gift shop hooking up to the Wi-Fi to play <laughs> Skyrim for 100 hours. That'd be the most metal LAN party ever, doing it in, like, the catacombs. That's pretty awesome. A quick search indicates that the population of Vatican City is about 800 people, of whom over 450 have Vatican citizens citizenship, while the rest All have right. permission to reside there, either temporarily or permanently. Of the ones that um, don't live there, many of them are diplomatic personnel. So to me, that makes a whole lot more sense that we're talking about folks that might not be, you know, the Cardinals or the Pope. Still a fun thought to see the Pope playing Fallout New Vegas. I wonder right? if he'd be a good person or not. Because like, you, be you can be pretty evil in Fallout New Vegas. Yeah, but you can uh, be pretty good, too. Yes. To be honest, I just don't see the Pope being up to playing video games at this point. He's probably too busy. He's got other things to work on. Yeah, like the overseeing an entire 
giant religion. Well, there is that. Cardinals do a pretty good job of that. Like, there's a good hierarchy in, in the Catholic Church. So, Mario. Since we're talking speaking, about games. Yeah, speaking of Italians. Ah, get it? Except the Pope's not actually Italian, but... Well, yeah. He's the Bishop of Rome. Counts. Uh, there's, there's been some cool developments with Mario in the last two weeks about AI and Mario, and I'm kind of curious what happens when you combine all of this together. You get the best Mario ever. I don't know. So the first one is actually the second one on the list, which is the Mar-I-O, the which Mario is... input-output, so Mar-I-O, ha ha ha. Yeah, it's, yeah. An, it's an AI designed to learn and play Super Mario World. And it actually does a really cool job. And the guy who, who designed it does a really good job explaining it, not just explaining how this AI in particular works, but how this type of AI works. And you can see it, I, I, I hesitate to use the word literally, but I guess there's literally no wrong way to use the word literally anymore. So you can see it literally evolve. So I like much learn. Learn. The thing is, you don't see it learn. It's, it's not the learning process. This isn't an AI that learns in that sense of it gains knowledge knowledge it learns in the sense of it tries the same task many 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 different times with many many different iterations and it's it's the it's a genetic ai is what it's modeled after and so it combines successful variants to create more successful variants isn't that the definition of learning i don't know and I have a degree in it. <laughs> right. I I am in agreement that in the absence of any other knowledge, that's what humans would be doing. Try this task. Did it work? No? Okay, let's try this slight variant of it. But I, I can see your point that the AI is probably learning in a different way than a human is. The connections are, are more easily analyzed, I imagine. Humans aren't always that systemic, but... Yeah. Cool thing is, this is actually, there's there's a bunch of cool things about it. One of which is that this is the same guy who did the, like, the five-minute game run of Super Mario World, where he hacked the memory by positioning things on the screen. Yeah, it's an interesting hack, to be sure. Um, I've definitely seen it happen, and it's super, you have to be super precise. To the pixel. And so this was him... Uh, learning about com- well, learning about AI and this type of AI that learns in this fashion. I think he did a really good job of of explaining it and of producing the video. And it's really cool to watch this computer figure out how to play Super Mario World. In the same way, it's very cool to watch a super a computer build a Super Mario World. Now, games have been procedurally generated for years, like years and years. Any game where it talks about infinite levels or infinite replayability, it's doing procedural generation. There's code running special pieces. I'd say the biggest um, hit of this type of game is definitely Minecraft. But the Georgia Institute of Technology, uh, they finally developed or are continually developing an AI that will build stages. And it's based off of uh, gameplay videos online streaming they didn't show any um video associated with like how it does its job um just an announcement that it does so it it watches people playing mario right like visually watches them and it recognizes elements of the game in those spots and infers game design from where they're spending their time in the level. According to the article that is linked in, it's interesting that it looks to see where players spend most of their time in the level. I wonder if that's to try to 
and try to identify the more difficult pieces and build it. I would be really curious to see what human feedback is after going through several levels created by this. Whether it's the, oh my God, that was so hard, or yeah, that was a lot of fun. Right, because I I think that in a lot of things, um, most users would have a preference for having the more difficult piece, but then you have a part of the game that allows you to kind of relax a little bit before you start ramping back up. Um, I know that there's a lot of game design work that's done by... Um Oh, what's the name of the YouTube group? Which YouTube group? They're the group that does um, the history. Um, oh, I'm looking into my feed right now. Uh, extra credits. They they talk a lot about game design and the pitfalls and all the other basic game design elements that uh, you have to kind of keep in mind when you're actually developing a level. Like, like game design is not an easy concept. No. Um, and they... They also have a couple of videos devoted to showing how, for example, Mario does a very good job of giving you almost an interactive tutorial of what you need to learn while you go through it so that um, you can pick up all the elements of the game. And that's something that I'm not sure an AI would be able to do programmatically. Well, but if we could actually teach an AI those elements of game design, I mean, look at it this way. If you can if you can teach an AI music, then you potentially should be able to teach it game design. I'm not sure I agree with that. As long as it's aesthetically pleasing. If you can teach it aesthetics, you could teach it. Feels almost like aesthetics is is a uh, oh what's the mathematical term friggin formula no when something is equivalent there's an equivalency group so like Turing complete machines any Turing complete problem can be solved with any Turing complete machine because it's all the same problem when you reduce it or NP complete so probably just complete is there such a thing as aesthetically complete I don't think humans can agree on that even when it's humans creating that. Your language is beyond what I'm familiar with. Can you rephrase that? What do you mean by complete? So there's there's a classification of problems that it, it has been shown that if you can solve one of those problems, you can solve any other problem of that type. I don't have actual examples because I didn't actually study computer theory. Gotcha, um, but I think I understand. What I would suggest is aesthetics are a cultural con- construct, and so you can have the uh, AI recognize what it's programmed for, but it won't be necessarily universal because I, I believe that socially or culturally there's differences there. But Brian, I interrupted you. What were you going to say? I was just going to give you an example of, uh, I think it's an NP-complete problem, which is, and I I know it's kind of been solved, but... Um, the uh, traveling salesman problem. And it's basically, you have a route of 500 cities you need to hit. What is the most efficient way to get to all of those cities? And you have to do it in a certain amount of time, processing time. And the more, the more you add to it, um, so 500 cities might take you a year to solve. 5,000 cities might take you 10 trillion lifetimes. Um, and so that's, that's the kind, like, if you can solve one of them quickly with, uh, uh, an algorithm that isn't brute force, then you can solve all of them quickly in a reasonable time frame. Anyway, it, it really boils down to the random musings of Dave, which is, is there such a thing as aesthetically complete? And at this point I would say no, but 
It'd be interesting if it were. So I, it sounds like we're wrapping up this topic and we can certainly move on. But as I thought, you know, the progression of chords that's in like every song, um, there's actually a song wherein they do that same progression of chords over and over again, and they're hitting all of it. To me, that sounds similar to what you're discussing. But again, I argue that it's a, it's going to be cultural. culturally specific. I agree. But I would also argue that those are just the popular songs that have that chord progression. That's not all music that is aesthetically pleasing to all people, which is more uh, more along your lines of it's cultural. You do make a good observation, though, too, that there's an individual aspect to it. So, yeah, interesting math stuff. So what happens when you plug in the computer system that learns how to make Mario levels and the computer system that learns how to play Mario levels? You get some of those amazing speed runs. I kind of want to watch this. I want this to happen. What would be even cooler is if you could then take the computer that learns how to make Mario levels and have it watch the computer that learns how to play Mario levels, and so it can make even better Mario levels. You'd have to in order for there to be the feedback loop. It'll be an interesting world we'll see when when something like that can happen for a couple of days or weeks or months and see the output of it, because I don't think it's a quick process either either case, at least not today. The one where it was the guy watching, uh, not watching, where uh, the AI was learning Mario. Uh, if I recall, the guy said it only took it a few hours to get to where it, it was, where it's doing the perfect playthrough. It was only like 35 generations. Right, but that's of one static level. True. So in the discussion of as AIs get more powerful, you know, they're going to be taking more human jobs offline. And then what are humans going to do? I love that you have inadvertently solved the problem here. Computers aren't going to take jobs such as game development because we're going to make an audience for them that are also computers, thereby keeping them off in their own separate little segregated area. (laughs) So computers are just going to watch computers play video games that computers are making, and the humans will be off doing our own thing. So, The Matrix? Funny you guys should bring this up because I just watched a video about that with The Matrix. I cracked? I don't remember if it was by Cracked. It was like After Hours or something like that. Yep, that's correct. Is that that? Okay, so we're all thinking of the same video. I am. I don't think I've seen it. Where it's it's the it's a theory about the Matrix that the Matrix is a simulation inside a simulation that the quote unquote real world from the Matrix, where you have the city of Zion and all the humans, is actually a simulation designed to keep the machines busy. It's it's actually a theory that I heard far before then, and it's the only one that makes sense if Neo has powers. That's amazing. So they've inceptioned Matrix. That is so amazing. I love it. It would be pretty cool, but yeah, it does It does make the two movies that happened after the Matrix movie actually sort of make some sense. Yeah, yes, it, uh, it does. So speaking of playing Mario and humans versus AI, we have a human who has beat Super Mario World in 23 minutes, which is a great feat by itself, but he did it while blindfolded the entire time. I mean, it's it it's a pretty. There's no randomness in Super Mario, right? If you put in these same inputs, the same thing will happen. So it's just a matter right. of memorizing the inputs and the timing. But that's 23 mim- minutes of memorizing inputs and timing. Yeah, it's not that bad. Yeah, my I reaction to this was that's a cool hobby, bro. Yeah. and that's about all I can muster for it. 
I, I just wonder how you would practice that. I mean, do you start by like blinking and then you slow your blinks so that your eyes are closed longer? I wonder maybe start with a more translucent blindfold so that your vision is somewhat obscured, but you, so you're relying a little bit more on the sound and the timing. Do you do it level by level or do you go for the whole run and then the whole run and then the whole run? Well, but if you're thinking of how, so of course it will probably be learner specific, but go back to being in choir when you were learning a whole long song. Oftentimes you would run through the whole song, but then you would pick the pieces that are the most difficult or that require the most attention to timing and you would work on those. And then you would try it again from the, from, you know, that in its particular section and then looking at the context around it and then ultimately getting to where you're running the whole song. That's interesting because for band, we didn't do anything like that. Really? For band, we totally did. This is a measure. Now we're going to add a measure. So now you've done two measures and you have the practice of the first measure and you just build and build and build and build till you're done with the entire song. Oh, that's true too. Chorus started, choir started with that too. Like here's the measure. So you did, a, you start with learning the blocks. I'm assuming that this use, that this player had already played through Mario. So I assumed he was at the finagling point. Oh, he's definitely, he's a speedrunner. So he's played through Mario probably more times than I've gone to sleep. Right. Therefore, he starts with the fine-tuning. Still, 23 minutes, blindfolded. Yeah, cool hobby, dude. I wonder what's next. I mean, at that point, you've, you've kind of done it, right? The only thing is getting it faster. Play it with his toes, and I will be truly impressed. I've will seen you? that done already. Will you actually oh. be truly impressed? <laughs> no, to be honest, I will not. But... I didn't think so. I'm going to call you out on that one. So, here's my... It makes me wonder, because he did learn it with sight in the first place, it makes me wonder if there are players who are blind and who enjoy playing Mario. There are quite a few, I'm sure. I know there are blind players who play video games, but I don't know if Mario would be the game for them to play. Do you know, just off off topic and out of curiosity, what games are enjoyed by blind players? I know there's a... I don't know. I remember hearing something about there being blind World of Warcraft players. But so much of games is, is visual. So apparently, I just looked really quick for a blind teenager who plays video game by sound. And uh, he beats friends in Mortal Kombat. He plays Rock Band. Um, I'm seeing if there's any other games that are mentioned. Here's a guy who's playing Zelda who's blind. Ocarina of Time. Uh, Oddworld, Abe's Odyssey, Blind. So I think it just depends on what game they want to play. Yep, here's a group that plays World of Warcraft. They're blind. That's very, very cool. All right, uh, what's next? Selfie sticks. Ah, uh, selfie sticks, the bane of the current generation. Why is this a thing? I so still don't understand it. It's, it's the equivalent to giving your camera to somebody and asking them to take your picture but you don't have to interact with somebody to take your but, picture. But what's wrong with just asking someone, hey, can you take my picture? Well, if there's nobody around, you can't do that. And if you hate other humans, you can't do that. This might also be, uh, you guys have long arms, so you only envision needing the selfie stick in like certain situations. I have definitely been in a situation where I was trying to get a selfie done with me and a taller person, specifically nostalgia critic. And I couldn't frame it right, and I was too freaking shy to ask him to do the, the picture on my phone. Um, and so, like, I look at selfie sticks like, oh, yeah, that would totally help me overcome being short. I mean, I can see there being a couple of use cases for this. Get bigger arms? That's not the case for most short people. 
I need longer arms, not necessarily bigger. What I love about Disney um, banning the selfie sticks is this is one of those perfect moments in time where safety concerns coincides with the potential for their services to be used more often because they do have people in the parks that take pictures. And so it's, we're really concerned for your health and safety, but thankfully we do offer this service to try to help accommodate it. Yeah, it's totally them getting more money and trying to look quote unquote good. Not necessarily. I could see where there is a legit safety concern, but it may be more along the lines of this has caused an issue in one out of a hundred cases. Well, I mean, it's as much of a concern as an umbrella is. I do have a a friend at work who went to Disney World with his family recently and did the the service that Disney has where they take a bunch of pictures and then they put them online for you and you can pay to have them downloaded and things like that. And he is a programmer who realized that the full-sized pictures at the resolutions that he needed were being sent to the local client and just were being hidden until you paid. And so he wrote a little JavaScript routine that just went through and grabbed all the pictures. That makes sense. That was a a little side story about Disney and their camera policies. But now that you've said it, they're going to have to fix their service. Yeah, because they'll totally pay their programmers enough to fix that. Yeah, I guess they have some other things they need to fix first. It is Disney? Yes. They, we went to Disney with my family in... February. February. And it, the the way that you sign up for their FastPass system and all this other stuff was really, really crappy. Aww. It struggled a lot with the fact that there were two Brian's in the group, Brian Sr. and Brian Jr. And then somehow as well, <laughs> Brian just kind of gave me a look. Um, apparently you don't like being called Jr. Uh, there was a lot. I'm Middle not. names are different. Right, I know. <laughs> it's still interesting watching Brian yep. Twitch. Yes, um, it is. And then uh, they also had difficulties with keeping track of Brad. So obviously the difficulty is can't have too many names that start with the same first two characters. Clearly. Yeah, it wasn't awesome programming on their part. Well, yeah. I mean, all of Disney's programmers work in their actual animation studio. I wouldn't say that. There's quite a bit in their game studio, too. Oh, yeah. They do games now, don't they? Yes, they do. Doing some pretty cool games. What are they? They have the, the Disney Infinity thing, right? Yep. And now Lego is getting in on that game? Yes. Yes, they are. Now, we've talked a little bit about Lego Dimensions, and by we, I mean Andy and I talked about it. Uh, but last week we did talk about E3 and we didn't actually talk about a lot of the games for E3, including the Lego Dimensions trailer. Holy crap, I want this now. So the, the trailer shows that the Lego Dimensions game looks to be a cross between Legos so that you can build your own thing and Skylanders or the, um, what's the Nintendo version? The, the Amiibo. Miiverse? No. The Amiibo. Amiibos. Yes. Skylanders, Disney Infinity, Nintendo Amiibo, and Lego Dimensions. Yeah, they all basically have a real-world piece of plastic that you put down onto a receiver, and then you can control the virtual character associated with that. Yeah. Now, in Lego, in this trailer, I do. there is one thing that, that I'm not sure about, because in the trailer they show someone building something in the real world, putting it on there, and then it's in the Lego world. And I don't think it works the way they're implying that it works. No, my guess is that the, the base for that is the vehicle, and you can turn the vehicle into three different modes inside the game, or you can just build it however you like outside of the game. I don't think there's any correlation between the two. Right. 
how you change it in the real world does not change it in the game. But it was cute. It was very cute. There were a couple other games, though, that came out of E3 that we, we haven't gotten a chance to talk about. Firewatch e. looked really good. I enjoyed the trailer for that one. It made me good. For which one? Firewatch. And it looks like it will be uh, like it will be an interesting, inter- thrilling game to play. But the fact that it was so amusing kind of hooked me on it. So Firewatch is basically a first-person story game. It's kind of like an FPS, but there's no guns. Um, set in 1989, where you are a park ranger. Volunteer and, park ranger. Right. I have a and, park ranger. You're you're a lookout. And so uh, it's basically the story of that person at that time where there's really – the only technology available to him is a radio. It looks yeah. to be quite interesting. I'm a, I'm a little I, – I watched it and I'm excited for it. I'm worried it might be a little scarier than what I want when I play a game like that. Right. With the mystery of the two women or the women disappearing, like I'm afraid it could get gorier or more chilling, but I'm I'm interested in, in seeing it play out. Were there other yep. E3 games you were particularly interested in? Well, there was one that is very similar to the blind conversation we were having before called Beyond Eyes. And it's basically you play as a 10-year-old blind person, um, and you as a player can only see things immediately around her. um, And when she hears something, you can see it. But she may not fully understand what that object is the first time she hears it. She might need more information. So you might see uh, a lock on a door as a butterfly when actually it's a lock. And then when you get closer, you find out that it's an actual lock by touching or by hearing more. It's, it's set in a completely white world. And the only thing that you see are what is what she hears. And it's, it's very interesting. I'm very interested to try it. That's on Xbox. Oh, it's on everything. Okay. Xbox, PlayStation, Windows, and Mac and Linux. Yes, everything. I liked the trailer for, but don't know about the gameplay of ReCore. Yes. The, what I assume is going to be first person with a robot companion. It was a really good trailer, but it didn't really show much about the game. Really? Because I got the impression that it was going to be a third person, almost like, um, I want to say point and click kind of perspective but the, obviously not gameplay the big thing about it is the guy who's the the lead producer the executive producer which is keiji inafune which is kind of exciting because he did mega man and metroid prime right and so i'm thinking like a lot of discovering the world through interaction and a lot of suspense but not terror another game that looked interesting to me was cuphead just from a aesthetics perspective, because it is a shooter game or a, a platformer shooter game where you play as the really old 1930s cartoon. Cartoon characters. style. It so looks think, like Castle Crashers meets early Disney. Yeah, think really early Disney when you think of it. And it's it looks gorgeous. It looks exactly spot on. I thought uh, the last Guardian looked very cute. I enjoyed the, the the trailer, but I fear that in gameplay I won't enjoy it as much. Definitely um, hit me with the oh my gosh, this child is jumping off of cliffs. Oh my gosh, the adorable dog is in danger. Not not happy Beth moments. 
The other thing is, is that just from watching the video, I started getting a headache and I don't know if, I don't know what exactly that is, but sometimes some games do, for whatever reason, prompt headaches for me. And I think this game might be one of them. It's a game that was teased, I want to say two years years ago. ago. And there was a huge uproar of fans loving it, but it's disappeared and is now showing back up. It was, uh, I think it was one of the things when they announced the PS4. It's very much in the same lines as Ico and Shadow of the Colossus as far as it's the it's same creators. Yeah, Shadow of the Colossus, I, I enjoyed the concept, but if it's the same same kind of thing, I won't be able to play it. So I have a question for you guys, because and you might have already discussed this when you talked about LEGO Dimensions, but... My initial reaction to it was one of, oh my gosh, I love the mashup, but I hate the having to have a real world platform, having to buy the particular characters. It's how they make money. Right. And I maybe you guys have already mentioned it, but I would have expected you to be more like, eh. I mean, I've I've had that reaction with Skylanders. I've had that reaction with Disney Infinity and the Amiibos. Lego's the first one I've even thought about doing, and I probably still won't. Like, that's still a huge investment. If I had kids, it might be a different story. What I think is just interesting in general is the fact that Lego is currently basically making their money off of being, uh, being able to hop from one IP to the other. Yes. And um, I think it's really rather cool to have all these IPs mashed up together. I do agree that actually buying all the figurines might be a bit painful in both price and the fact that if you want to switch out, because most of the other LEGO games that they have, you can just switch characters on the fly in the game. Um, so I agree that that might be painful and might be just the current fad that will hopefully disappear, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm torn on it because I feel like if, you know, how many times do people play a video game and they're like, I love this character, I want to go buy merchandise of this character. So the fact that it's already linked, on the one hand, I find cool and smart marketing and a good way for them to make money. At the same time, if that's how you get your content by having to go purchase this physical character, then that might annoy me because I would rather be able to get the character that I want and then have for the real life merchandise rather, um, and then for the game be able to switch out characters as needed. They might, you might be able to do that. I'm not sure. They haven't really announced anything in particular. Um, right. It, it's quite possible that in the game you might be able to switch between characters, but you might not be able to save the stats of your upgraded character because that's what they tend to do with the skylanders and all that other stuff is your character theoretically grows over time all right guys we got to start moving we need to wrap this up a little bit okay another uh topic microsoft halo lens was going to be heading to the space station on the spacex crs7 but unfortunately did explode not, uh, not the HoloLens. The HoloLens was not the cause of the explosion. No. But SpaceX, uh, the Dragon capsule, and the, the entire vehicle, the launch vehicle, did blow up. At about which makes me really glad in. that they have not okayed manned transfers yet. Because that would have made this go from an unfortunate incident to a tragedy. Right. Yes. But yes, uh, Elon Musk, in fact, tweeted out and said that the Falcon 9 experienced a problem shortly before first stage shutdown, uh, that there was an overpressure event, and they aren't quite sure why yet, but they are looking into it. In other gaming news, uh, Bethesda has allowed a fan who sent in 
22,000 bottle caps to pre-register Just 2,000, not 22,000. You're right. 2,200. 2,200. He purchased Fallout 4 with bottle caps because that's what you spend in the game. Uh, Don't try this. They only did it because he was the first one. Don't expect it to work again. So don't actually send Bethesda 2,200 bottle caps. I wonder where he got that figure from. Did he just have 2,200 bottle caps? I'm sure he was saving it over time. Right, but that's that's the amount he had, or did they decide beforehand, we want to try it with this much? Like, that that puts the conversion at a bottle cap per, like, two cents? Yeah, I don't know. It's probably just what he had in time for to send it out. It's not true to the rate in the games, is it? Well, the thing really is, in the, in the games, there's no conversion because there is no other currency. Right, but, like, so how many caps does it take to purchase a gun, for example? Uh, depends it depends on the, on the condition of the uh, gun. A uh, hundred or so? Uh, big guns are, are upwards of 400 caps. So that's if, if you're going to go with a uh, real-world... To game and try uh, to do the manipulation backwards. Seventy is no eleven hundred caps. The actual machine. Yeah, so he overpaid. They should give him multiples. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, last thing up here is the Amazon Echo, and I think we'll hold off on that till next week because we've got some other stuff to talk about, like a random review. Technically, it's Andy's week. Andy's not here, so I guess I'll have to do the review. Unless you guys have something you want to review. Not me. I'm going to review the Android game, One More Line. It is by SMG Studio. It's a free game. There is ads. You can purchase the, the full version to eliminate ads. And it's a, it, it's a good example, I think, of what a handheld game really should be, where it's fast, very easy to learn, cheap, which is to say free, and you can play several games in a minute or two. You are this this ship, this shape traveling up the screen, so almost like a vertical scrolling shoot 'em up, except that instead of shooting things, you latch onto uh, obstacles. There's little circles placed all over, and you latch onto them. And when you're latched onto it, you are orbiting them until you let go. In which case, you continue in the same direction you were going when you let go. So you are always moving in a straight line unless you are in an orbit. You have to stay between the two barriers on the side of the screen, and you have to dodge the obstacles by latching onto them and going around them, which is much harder than it sounds. When you first start playing, a a good game is probably between like 5 to 10 obstacles. I got to play this game a little bit the last time I was out there. Yep, and I don't even think I got 5 to 10 obstacles. Yep, like it takes a little bit the first time you play it. Uh, It isn't perfect. So here's here's the one more line, and uh, you can hear the sound effects. But it's not perfect. Don't, it's not perfect in the sense of you don't know which like which obstacle you're actually going to lock onto. So there's a bunch of them on the screen, and you'd think it would be the closest one, but it's not always the closest one. And I haven't figured out the logic for it yet. It's kind of aggravating. They're, they are of different sizes, though. Yeah. So gravitational pull as determined by size. Potentially, or a combination of pull versus distance. I haven't been able to figure it out yet. Those are most of the times that I die now is when it latches onto the wrong one. It looks like it's the biggest uh, object that's closest to you. Could be. But it's fun, and it's cheap. Can't beat that price, man. Free. That said, the ads are quite annoying. 
so annoying. When you when you combine it with the Google uh, Rewards program, you can actually buy it. It's really not that much. So that's the review in its entirety. It's a good game. It's a little annoying at times because the the logic doesn't seem to be there, or if it's there, it's not well explained as to what you're going to grab onto. But otherwise, it's good. So that is a pick it up. Yeah, that's that's a definite. Go ahead and download this. Try it out. It probably won't be for everyone, but it again, it's free. It looks like oh, I guess there's an iTunes. Yep, it's on both iTunes and on Android. Woo! Okay, random topic rolled ahead of time. And the random topic is if starving, sorry, if facing starvation. So not starving, but facing starvation. What would you eat first, your co-host or your pet dog or cat? I love my dog. I love my dog very much. Uh, but I, I mean, there, there's bad things with eating humans besides just culturally. And also my dog is here. My co-hosts aren't. It would be a little hard for you to do that, I think. What so about what you guys? What are the bad things about eating humans besides culturally? Uh, things typically, like most species don't practice cannibalism because diseases transfer. Parasites and diseases that are in one human when you eat them will affect you. Whereas parasites and diseases in animals when you eat them sometimes will affect you. So what you're saying, so what you're saying is you don't want to eat us because you think we're diseased. Uh, yeah, let's go with that. Well, no, I don't know. Cannibalism. So even if you cook the people, you could... Uh-huh. I'm sure if you cook them well enough, it would get it, but I don't know what nutritional value is left after. One must, we must find this out is, what this the is proper where mad cow cooking came from. Temp- well, it's not even just cooking, though. It's like, this is where mad cow came from, was feeding ground-up cows to cows. No, that's how gra- mad cow spread. They already I, I, had the mad cow disease, right? I'm assuming some cow had I mean, it. it's it's prions, it's protein fragments at that point. At any rate, I reject this question. I would kill myself first. So I guess I'm eating my co-host? Because <laughs> she's already dead? Right. Right. Like, well, I can't let that go to waste. I mean, that was kind of my reasoning. I would not kill the cats because part one they are my cats and part two there's not going to be much meat coming from them and the emotional disturbance wouldn't be worth a few calories second um i'm not going to kill my husband (laughs) and dave is not here so if i kill myself or like maybe i could chop off an arm like you see the thing is is i don't know what the most nutritionally dense piece is Dave is, even if he were here, he would be too skinny, probably, to support myself and Brian. And the cats, because the cats would have to eat. Why can't I eat the cat food? You can eat his dog, can't you? I'm not going to eat Lad. You can't eat my dog. Again, I'm not going to eat Lad. That's terrible. In my brain, that equates to being like, well, there's this toddler. I could eat the toddler. What, just because the toddler can't talk, you're going to be willing to eat it? No, that's terrible. So the only thing that I want to say on this topic is... I'm not in that situation. I'm not currently starving. I don't really know how I would feel at the time, right before death. So I'm not sure which route I would go. Thinking logically, it would have to depend on how much longer I would be suspecting that I would be starving for. Right, like if eating the dog is going to keep me alive until I can get food, I'd I'd probably eat the dog. If eating the dog is just prolonging death because there's no more food, then I don't know that I would do either of them. I I agree with that. I'm choosing eat my own dog because I don't have one. Eat your own dog because you don't have one. Awesome. Beth, never get a dog. Right. Oh, you smooth bastard. 
Am I not supposed to be swearing? I'm sorry. You can definitely swear. That's fine. Okay. Okay. So I think that's that then. Thank you guys for joining me on this wonderful Sunday afternoon. Thanks for having us. This was fun. Let's do it again. Sounds good. That's a wrap. This has been another episode of the Random Access Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, corrections, suggestions, remarks, reviews, rebukes, retorts, or just rants, feel free to contact us. You can find us on Twitter at RAPodcast, or send us an email at mail at RAPodcast.net. Thank you for listening. Thank you.